With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. Win, lose, or draw in this election, will you commit here today for a peaceful transferal of power after the election? There has been rioting in Louisville, there's been rioting in many cities across this country, red and your so-called red and blue states. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transfer Pearl of power after the election. Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I and, understand that, but and, people are rioting. Do you commit uh, to making sure that there's a no, peaceful transfer? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very trans. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer. Frankly, there'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control. You know it. And you know who knows it better than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else. Go ahead. Well, Robert, I think it might have been Pinochet's birthday, and the president decided to give him a little tribute there. I, I'm torn. I don't know whether he's really threatening to try some kind of putsch, or this is just drunk uncles stumbling into the idea of no transfer of power peacefully, not knowing, having no siren in his head that goes off that, hey, wait a minute, that's the core of our democracy. So is he stupid, crazy, or really trying to take over, or all three? I was going to say, I, I, by default, I would guess all of the above. Uh, I think <laughs> if the siren goes off in his head, that would be quite a sound. Uh, I, I do... I, I think the one heartening thing you can take out of this is is a number of Republicans have come out today and pledged a peaceful transfer of power, which um, it is remarkable 250 years into this democratic experiment that uh, um, that we had to pledge that we were going to transfer power peacefully. But um, I, l- let's bring our yeah, honored, you know who knows let's our ask honored him. guest, our, the the honorable hack. We'll call him that. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, what, 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 f- solve this for us. Is this, is this a uh, drunk uncle or is this uh, a good strategy? It's neither. Uh, this is honest Trump. And I think he's being exactly who he is. Look, my attitude on these things is to, I would take Donald Trump at his words. And I think that uh, he's never shown any respect for laws. He doesn't think they apply to him and never have. And I think he's telling you exactly what he thinks. And I tell you, I mean, I, I, this is a, a little bit, this morning I woke up and I said, you know, uh, I mean, I saw it with his comments and obviously the Gelman piece of the Atlantic. And it doesn't surprise me about him. Um, he has always been a, uh, a sleazy actor, both in business, how he works with people or not, and how he thinks uh, his power should be, you know, uh, accumulated to his benefit. And I understand why voters, out of their own frustration over the last 20 years, would see him as an instrument to send a signal 
to all the rest, you guys suck. What I'm surprised at is the establishment of Republicans, not just about this comment. The f most intriguing thing got to me in the Woodward book is Senator Dan Coates, former Senator Dan Coates, head of the DNI. I mean, if there was a traditional mm -hmm. central casting Republican, says, I think the President of the United States is compromised. That, to me, was the most revealing thing of the Woodward book, the least thing Washington focused on. The same week that the former head of counterintelligence for the FBI said, I believe the President of the United States is compromised. But if I had said in the Obama White House to Gibbs, you know, the many nights that we were, you and Axe and I were hanging in my office, and I said, you know what? I see the Republican Party aligning themselves with Putin one day. You would have, uh, you would have had the... We had the White, White House coat. doctor come you, check on you. you, you yeah, yeah like, time for the straitjacket. Rom's finally snapped. Yeah, I think the, the stress is getting to Rom, okay? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in shock at how yeah. the establishment Republicans have aligned just for power. And I, I mean, I get politics. I don't get this. I really don't know what's, and I, I don't get, I'm actually interested in, in your view. And, and what, is, is, what is going on with the, I mean, Trump, I understand. He has been a nefarious, evil, and I mean evil in exactly the moral, ethical tone person. I understand the voters' frustrations, so they're trying to strike out. I get that. I don't get the Republican Party and the establishment aligning themselves. I don't Murphy, get it. It, that, Murphy, that question is clearly directed no to deal. you. I mean, so to when you say to me, oh, is he like a crazy? No, he is exactly what he's saying. He's telling you up front. I hate agreeing with you because here I go again, damn it. But it's a little when early I say in the drunk, podcast. I know, believe me, it'll be the only time. But when I say drunk uncle, that's what I mean. This is the window into his brain. Yeah. I don't know what that, look, and I've been in, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, super narcissist, crazy man. I, I've been in the Republican business a long time. I know a lot of these guys and I can't believe it and I'm a cynic. I mean, Bob Dole made me go work for a senator once that I almost had to run out and try to catch with a net. I mean, I've seen a lot. Um, but uh, he tried to escape a TV shooting and literally jumped in the car and sped down the highway. We had to chase him, uh, an, an exalted committee chairman. So point is, I didn't think anything could surprise me. Now, I do think once the Trump specter is gone, and I, I, I wonder where the courage is. I'm a Dan Coates admirer, but he's very late to the train to want to whisper it to Bob Woodward when the country would have needed to know that. Um, I, I, that's why I don't believe the seven-day-in-May thing where Trump's going to put on a, a, a weird uh, Pinochet hat and say, I'm staying here, I'm in charge, and all the state Republican legislators are going to appoint robot electors that'll do. I mean, Rob, you know what a Midwestern state legislator is like. And a lot of those are kind of rotary guys who are waiting for this nightmare to be over because they're tired of telling everybody, boy, I wish you wouldn't tweet and saying a third of their guys all get killed and not be chairman anymore. So I, I don't believe in the mad takeover theory, though I'll tell you, when in doubt, win Florida, because they count the absentees as they come in. We're going to know fast. And no Florida, no, no Trump. So there are ways on election night that the voters can kind of get in front of what could be a long week of crazy where the specter will bubble around. The other great thing is the U.S. military, they take an oath to the Constitution and lawful orders, not to the president. So I don't really worry about the seven-day-in-May thing, but I do worry about him thinking he can do it and having a madman president for that long week. Well, and I would say this too. I mean, his single mo the, the single most consistent message that Donald Trump has had about this election is that it's rigged, and and he he over and over and over again, and not committing to a peaceful transfer of power means 
that he's already decided and now he's trying to convince everybody else that the outcome is rigged. And right. and this is and and just to be clear, we're 40 days from an election. We're, th- this is we, we've just cracked the seal of crazy of what's going to happen over what he's going to say in the next 40 years. <laughs> it, it's such a projection, too. It shows that he wants to rig it because that's how he <laughs> sees the world. Well, everything yeah. is rigged. And unfortunately, he hasn't rigged it. I will say that one thing um, I'm going to invoke. I talked to Carvel today. This is his point. I think he has a good point here. I think he's trying to leverage this for what's going on in New York and the legal cases and his taxes and what happens afterwards. And because when he's no longer president and that day, hopefully is sooner his leverage as it relates to not only the taxes, his immunity and any one of his children. And he may be trying to leverage things here. That was Carvel's theory. And uh, I'm open to uh, a different interpretation, but that makes a lot of sense about how this guy operates as it relates to the criminal justice system. And I'll tell you that tax rap looks really real, judging from those leaks, having been a veteran of the grand jury process myself, never convicted. Um, I think they got him there. And you're right. There will be somebody in a dark suit coming to see him, which is Donald. How about out the back door smiling or you've got a criminal rap coming? And that, that is, as we learned with Nixon, that can be a good motivator to good behavior at the end. But boy, that, that the, from, you know, leaks are tricky, but I, it's looking to me like they think they got something on them. Do you guys think so? I do. And I think what he's trying to do, he's trying to hold on here and go for Im- immunity and some protection, indemnification afterwards. Right. right. Well, let, let us not forget, Bob Barr fired the U.S. attorney that was overseeing this investigation. Right. So kind of knocked on his door on a Thursday, slipped into his office and said, oh, by the way, uh, I'm firing you. Uh, and and so, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't think he had looked at his efficiency report and decided that he was an underperforming U.S. attorney. Uh, There was clearly some sort of strategy to mixing this up. It's also the same U.S. attorney and same jurisdiction that's looking into Rudy Giuliani. And and, I mean, who knows? But to your back to your point, Raman, just to make sure everyone understands what compromised means. Compromised means Putin understands and has something on Donald Trump, that he is essentially an agent of. Putin and Russia. Dan Coats right. is right out of the Reagan, yep. Bush, Republican Party. We And we battled politically, etc. And he's the head, appointed by the President of the United States, to be the Director of National Intelligence. And his belief, which I thought was the biggest news in the Woodward book, not why, did he, why didn't Woodward do anything with it, why did the President talk, not the head of the DNI, a card-carrying member of the Republican Party for his whole life goes into his mother's milk, says, I think the president of the United States yeah. is yeah. compromised. That to me was a little, oh, okay. And the same week, regardless of his personal life, the former head of the counterintelligence for the Federal Bureau of Investigation came, has the same conclusion in the same week. To me, and then the rest of the Republican Party, and I got to be, I just got to slightly disagree. I'm, I didn't. Think, I don't think Rubio, Romney, McConnell really stepped up here. Oh no, there will be a peaceful turn. No, your president is telling you, or the president of the United States is telling you, he is not going to abide by the rules that everyone. Here's my new thing: Amy McGrath in Kentucky should have invoked the Trump principle. Senator Jones in Alabama should invoke the Trump principle. No, no I don't. I don't abide by these results. Ballots are all <laughs> illegal. I, how would we? You're laughing. How would we all operate? If everybody all said the same thing. Well, it's the absurd world we're living. I'll give 
props to Romney. He was fast and pretty, pretty strong on it. But, you know, we grade the Republicans on a curve now because we're so beat down with low expectations because most of them, they don't do a damn thing. Well, look, this is also the, the, you know, this is when CNN walks through the Capitol and all these guys are like, nope, really? I haven't seen it. No, I know. I know that's. I know you guys have been doing it. I have to for- charge my phone. I haven't been able to check the Twitter account. I know lately. this is the only story you've covered for 24 straight hours, but nope, nope, no, <laughs> no, don't, don't ring a bell. Sorry. Ask me sorry. about nat- National Winnebago Day. Right. I've got a On my way point. to a meeting. <laughs> Can I, while I, I, I'm holding the microphone over my therapy here, that also, <laughs> let me say that. <laughs> Sit back and tell us your story, Rob. Okay, no. I, <laughs> it's going to be a two-hour episode with that. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. I mean, you have a guy on Bob. Moeller's operate team and he comes out with a book and he says, you know, I think we went kind of weak on the president of the United States. <laughs> really? Like when <laughs> you, you could have done something about it, you decided to hold it for the book. What, you know, and then you have the head of the FBI. I mean, what is with these people? As you said, Dan Coates says it to Woodward. Do you mind when you were head of the DNI saying something? That would have yeah. been helpful. That's what, what is with everybody? They have no moral courage. It's, it's a great day for book agents, right? Just take copious notes. Now, we're not asking these guys to land on Anzio Beach, for Christ's sake. Just blow the whistle. <laughs> right. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. How many times have I walked into the Oval Office and got my head handed to me when I walked out because I had the audacity to say, I disagree. But these guys can't seem to say anything. I know. Anything? Know. Besides, yes, sir. No, call Random House. I have something for them. Exactly. Yeah. Give me a break. They saved the country over duck a la range with Bob Woodward at the townhouse, but, you know, God forbid. Here's a, here's a quick story, though, just to add something for the spooky internet uh, world. This is a true story. So I'm a foreign policy nerd and hang around some think tanks. I was on a Russian area studies guy a million years ago. I'm at this thing, and a guy I know who's a retired general jumps in the elevator with me like a spy movie. This is somebody who specialized in Russia. He's on first name, uh, first name basis with 200 Russian generals in the post-Cold War stuff. And he just looks at me and says, Russian info on Trump, porn tapes, Putin's got all of it. And then ding, you know, I, I like sneeze and he's gone. You know, like a, yeah, no, no. He had one of the secret zippers where the, you know, the civilian uniform turned into elevator repairman and I couldn't find him in the crowd. But, and that happened about a minute after Trump was elected before a lot of this stuff broke out. And, and so I've always thought there is something because Trump's been in the real estate business over there. I've worked in the former Soviet Union. Everything's bent. Anyway, without getting into the craziness, <laughs> I, I think Coates is probably right on it. And I just wish he'd said something earlier because he had the weight as a big establishment foreign policy guy, Republican, to have had a huge impact. Yeah. All right. So now that we've covered almost everything but UFOs, let's let me drag this. Well, back let me into, get into that uh, too. Me, because, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Don't tell me about the Martian that got on the elevator. So, um, wh- where? <laughs> so, so every week we 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 assemble here twice a week. We're amazed. We're surprised. There's all this new stuff. The one thing that doesn't change is the race. I mean, it, it, it seems yeah, we've had in. COVID. We've had an economic disaster. Twenty percent unemployment. Um, you know, we've had a hundred of these things and yet it seems like it's still a seven or eight point national race. And there's some bouncing around in some of the state polls, maybe a little bit of tightening, but all things being equal, except for a couple of, I think, rather weird Washington post polls from states. You have a remarkably stable race. You have a remarkably stable electorate. Here's the thing. Uh, this is my take is that, uh, the wall street journal last week came out eight-point race. Back in January, eight-point race. 
And as you said, the most unstable of times with the most stable political environment. And I think that because the overwhelming centrifugal force, both on positive energy and negative energy, is Donald Trump. And, you know, Joe Biden is getting exactly the vote of the people that say, I will never vote for Donald Trump, 49, 50%. And Donald Trump is getting exactly the vote of people who approve of his job, 42, 43%. And that, and until the debates or until some other thing that none of us can see of catastrophic importance, you basically have gone through a 100-year epidemiological uh, catastrophe, a 75-year economic catastrophe, a 50-year so, so, uh, social and civil unrest, massive cl- uh, evidence of climate change, and nothing changes. Right. I mean, Lyndon Johnson, under maybe similar or less volatile times, they were volatile, let's just say that, he had to drop out of the race. Nothing in these polls move. Uh, and I think it's because basically the fact, the X factor is Trump. Well, and it's been locked in since, frankly, since he was sworn in, his numbers have been shit, which is why we keep losing specials or underperforming. We blew the house um, and nine governorships. And then, you know, COVID made it worse because Trump, unlike every other, you know, governor or elected executive, couldn't be grown up enough to ride with it as guy in charge and take the take the rise in his numbers you know there's a great thing out today which i highly encourage people to check out because i've been obsessed with this for a while which is dave wasserman or the cook political report you can find him online and nbc news uh, my paymasters so i'm paid to like them but on this one they were really great published this simulator because if you look at the 2016 electorate and you can play with this thing online, and you just adjust those results exactly the same for demography, which groups have increased in the population and which groups have shrunk. Trump loses Florida, he loses Michigan, he loses um, uh, Wisconsin and uh, uh, Michigan, just on who's died and who the new voters are. Now, by the way, this does not apply to Cook County, which operates under its own rules, but taking apart the rest of the country. Let me just say, Grace Cemetery was my best performing precinct. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm voting there uh, three times. So point is, check this thing out because it shows that just the demographic headwinds shave a point off Trump. And then he's made it all worse. So I'd rather be Biden. Anything change it though, the debate? Can it go sideways? What would, what would the Rahm Emanuel Chicago school of handling a madman like Trump in the debate? What, what would you tell Joe if you had him in the, in the room for 30 minutes before? Well, the three th- Three things. First, uh, well, four, a couple things. One, the debate starts, people always forget that it doesn't start when you walk out. It starts five days beforehand. And if I was Joe Biden, I'd make some news that forced Chris Wallace to ask some questions. Uh, Then I would figure out whatever that news is Mm -hmm. four days out. People usually go dark. That's a mistake. Go out. Don't study Trump so much as study Chris Wallace because he's asking the questions. You know Trump. Third, uh, the first 45 minutes are the most important of the four and a half hours of the three debates because you got to come out with energy, etc. And my overarching philosophy is, unlike every other presidential, you have to reassure voters, not so much persuade them. They've made a decision about Trump, positive or negative, as we just said on the polling. The most important thing now is they're looking at you. And this is most analogous is obviously the Reagan Carter. Carter beat the hell out of Reagan. He was so extreme, so extreme. He comes on TV and people go, well, that's not who they said he was. 
And the president's tried to say, Sleepy Joe, you know, the, you know, he's had plastic surgery, all this other stuff. Just as I use the analogy of Kenosha, the president of the United States went in there. People think he's the cause of the violence, cause of the problem. He's not trying to calm things down. And Biden looked presidential. Don't get baited into playing angry Biden to angry Trump. Play your game, presidential Biden to angry Trump. That yeah, that's my, the contrast. That's the money, I think, because that, otherwise you're never going to do an APAC like Trump. No, so why compete? That, that's why I thought it was smart for uh, the Biden campaign to wait for Trump to go to Kenosha. Then you go and you do a different substantive and stylistic and people go, oh, that's what a president looks like. And I think that's where Joe's groove is. If you try to go onto Trump's land, the angry, insulting and I, the one line when he starts doing Hunter and he starts doing all, like, look, you can attack my family, I can attack yours, but this has nothing to do with the American family. And just go right to the American people and go up and, you know, not so high up that you can't hit the other guy in the groin, but high and be presidential. Uh, because Trump's just going to be, try to dominate you. Yeah, that's the key. He, he can't be dominated, but it's got to be a contrast trick. Right. I think he needs a few good jabs to get Trump on the defensive you know, trust fund baby, all that kind of stuff that we know drives Trump crazy. So you get sullen, resentful Trump, because uh, I think that'll put him back on his heels for a while. And whatever you do, don't try to fact check him, because, you know, that's it's, it's like trying to teach a, a dog to play the piano. It's just a planet Trump's not on. It'll have no impact. To me, that's on Chris Wallace. Yeah, exactly. And Chris is aggressive enough to do it. Yeah, he, he is. I think it will be interesting to watch. I mean, we got to think a bit of a preview the Chris Wallace interview of Trump, he knew what, and look, the, the moderators are watching the same tape each of the participants are watching to understand the answers that they're likely to give so that in Chris's case, he can fact check him. I think that's easier to do on a one-on-one -on -one interview. I think we got a little preview of this, the ABC town hall with Stephanopoulos. Um, you know, George fact checked him to a certain degree, but at some point Donald Trump gets moving like a snowball down a hill and you can only stop so much of it. But I totally agree with you. If you become fact checker in chief, you're way, way off your message. Um, I think you're chasing is, him around the ring. Yes. Yeah. I think this is much more about making sure people see the alternative. They've decided they're going to fire the incumbent. Are they are they cool right. with hiring you to be the guy? That's why it's not a persuasion. It's a reassurance. Absolutely. Right. I totally agree. They, I mean, I they think know what they're going to get with Trump. So yeah. show them what they're going to get with you and how they can like relax. And actually think, have a less manic thing. Yeah, I, I think there's just there. I was doing some stuff and people say, oh, you got to go tell him he's the worst president ever. You got to go. To, people know they that. know they, they know, know that. Yeah. And I think I do think to, to your point, Rami, you got to have some I think you've got to have some lines that get you out of this, out of the different sort of messes, all this. And I think you've got to have a larger frame. I mean, you know, I don't think it's about whether you're better off than you were four years ago. I think that question has already been answered. Right. I think the question in my mind is and I would put this if I was Biden. We simply can't afford four more years of this. There's nothing about this. We can't afford four more years of this as it relates to our public health. We can't afford four more years of this as it relates to our economy, our foreign policy, our actions on climate. There's nothing about this man that we can hey, afford for four more years. It, look, it, there's two models for reelect on a president. There's the Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton model, morning in America, bridge to the 21st century. Then there's the Obama and Bush 43 model, which is choice. Those are the two models. Trump to date hasn't actually picked for right. either, either one. And Biden's got, in, in this case, 
I mean, is make sure that, I mean, he, they have, the voters have decided about Trump. It's either play him or trade him. They're ready to trade him. They're not going to play. Yeah, There's nothing clear. going on in the world that says, you know what? Stay the course. And so they're on the play trade decision for an incumbent. They decided to trade. You have just got to show up and be reassuring that you're ready to be present. That's it. I mean, and that's why it's a kind of very clear, I want to say clear because it's hard to do when a guy's not playing by the rules, by anybody else's sense of the rules. But you have got to stay in that zone of what a president looks like, sounds like, and your game to reassure voters that you're ready. So to pull the string that Murphy started with, you, you start, we started with this whole, like, if you had 20 minutes with Biden, right? So we have to understand, as we talked about in the setup of this, that the race is incredibly stable, meaning he's Trump's got to do something. Yeah, Trump's the guy who needs something to happen. Right. So so in that vein, Rom, I won't say, what would you, I won't do the old, like, what would you do if you were Donald Trump's guy, but what would you tell Biden to expect from Trump? Again, as you said, in a world in which Trump plays by no rules, right? He's going to interrupt Biden. He's going to call him kooky. He's going to say you're crazy. You no, don't I mean, know what you're saying. They, look, I mean, the truth is, is a former candidate, but you guys have been circling. By this point, you, Donald Trump could give Joe Biden's answer to any question policy debate, and Joe Biden could give Donald Trump's answer to anything. That's why I always say, study the person asking the questions, not the other person giving the answers. Because you already know what Trump's going to do. He's coming after Hunter. He's blaming you for the 20 years. You're going to own all of Washington, regardless of what party was president when it happened. You're the establishment. He's going to be try to become the outsider challenger to the, and be the instrument to everybody's anger. And he's going to make it personal about you. He's coming after you. That is where Trump is going. That is what he has yeah. been best, the, the voice and instrument of the aggrieved. And, and it's his only speed. There's no changing right. it up, so you can bank on it. That's where he's going, and he's going to try to get you to get off your game by trying to dominate. He's always, regardless of X or Y chromosome, he's always tried to dominate his opponent in that sense of what he did to Hillary. He's not limited to what he did it to every Democrat or every Republican in the primary to dominate, ridicule, belittle, and literally, you know, take them down in their manhood. And that's what he's going to try to do to Joe. Yeah, get him off, get him off his game. Here's a question for you guys. We're doing the downside scenario because Biden does an okay job. Nothing happens in the debate other than more Trump clowning. People have seen it. Then it's a great day for Biden because he's denied Trump what he really needs, which is a handle to get October back and something to work with. He's, you know, then, then Trump's got another bad week. But what would, you, what would you do if you were running Biden? Let's say it's going okay, but Trump, of course, says, you know, that dead kid of yours, I'm really sorry about it, but he was never under fire. He wasn't a real soldier. I mean, really, I'm and, and Joe's Irish temper flares up, and Joe's not so great. And so it is a not great Biden to debate. What's your reset the next day? Because you don't want Trump to have something to work with for all of October and reset the race. Counterattack, do you do a big town hall to show good Joe laughing about it? What? What do you do? Because that's that's the key moment for them. He comes after Bo. He does. He says something. If, about if he Bo handles it right, we know we know it'll work for Biden. But you know, what if what if Biden has a bad debate? You just think about what smoke bomb you throw in the next forty eight hours to not let it be about you, make it about Trump again. Yeah, I mean, here's my arching rule, which is while you have a lot of other things happening from right now as we're taping this, Louisville, and we're talking mm -hmm. also about uh, you also have obviously uh, the Supreme Court. The under the Achilles heel that unopened up the box on Trump was COVID, the mismanagement, 
the loss of life, etc. It's got to constantly come back to what the president did and did not do when he knew COVID. That is where you get these soft Republicans, that 15% to flip, that matters in these swing states in a higher proportion than it does nationally. And then one of the things that people don't kind of totally always get in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, Florida, and North Carolina, that kind of what I call Biden Republicans, the soft Republicans who Joe is the right nominee for of our party. Uh, other people would not have measured up on this. They don't like Trump. They're reassured that we have Biden there. And the big thing that has worked with them is COVID and, and kind of style. And that is where you would have to go to get the, if you have a bad debate, to go back at that because they're going to be the first people to peel off. If you have yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, we focus group the hell out of those at rvet.org down in Florida. You know, you know what the one mistake the D's are making? Uh, and you know, I pass this along, the death count. As much as it horrifies me and I'm screaming at my TV, the, they give him some slack on that. They're like, you know, he didn't create it. Any president could have caught this thing, could have happened to the country. Now he's been incompetent. Then, then, then you got something to work with, you know, the, the Keystone Congress. Republicans hate incompetence. That, that's where the energy is. They come but out of the managerial class. When you do Trump, yeah, exactly. Can't we lay somebody off to solve this thing? Maybe <laughs> child labor? Uh, but when you get it, Trump the murderer, 195,000 people have died because of Donald Trump. They, they get pissed and push back, man. The damn media, unfair. And uh, so it's a, a trickier thing than I thought because that, that surprised me. But, no, I agree. you got to take it back to their lives in COVID. I also think you have to be transparent. Yeah, you know, I was debating a child and I did bad. I can hardly wait to get back at them, you know, and, and, and well, be feisty. And I think, too, I mean, I remember the, the, the day after Obama's first debate in 12, and it was, uh, it was even if we were grading on a curve, not pretty. Um, you, you gotta have you, and and I would say this about Biden, he's got to have, I I would have something on the schedule that morning, right? You got to have some place for him to be out, to comment, win, lose, or draw. He's got to go out there and talk about the case he made or about the case he should have made. As as you said, when he got distracted dealing with the, the, you know, the congenital crazy. But I think I, I would be worried that, um, in this world, you go back to Delaware and you're not out there as quickly as you need to be the next day. And, oh, I and totally I would, agree. You know, and, and making this too. I mean, look, I, I, the one thing I get a little nervous about just looking at some of the issue stuff is, and maybe this will change in the fall if we see coronavirus coming back as we're seeing it now, that the, the virus is a little bit lesser on the issue meter and the economy is a little higher. And I do wonder if there's some swapping out of that in terms of its most important issue. And I think, I think you've got to get out there and talk about creating jobs. I think you've got to get out there and talk about healthcare. That's a quintessential economic issue. Um, but I, I think you can't lose that strain in all of this as well, because it is the one advantage place that Trump still possesses. Yeah. You don't want to close the race on the economy with that advantage. I'll tell you in the Schwarzenegger thing, we, we negotiated down to one debate and because we didn't want him to get worn down with trick questions. We thought we'd come up, do the celebrity stuff, and he did just fine. But we had one of our biggest rallies the morning after to be ready either way, to be working from strength in case it had been a bad, you know, what's the capital of California, you know, Germany. Um, <laughs> and so the Biden guys ought to be thinking that way, to have really strong picture the next morning to say what he has to say. 
Everybody knows the capital's Berlin, by the way. <laughs> That's the plan. They've never achieved it. And one of my debates for mayor, I did a rally that night. I didn't wait the next day because yeah. that didn't, you know, because it also gets introduced into the evening news. Yeah, and it's the TV for the next day till yeah, we did the same thing. You don't have to yeah. wait. You get the nightly news, the postscript, and you get the morning news with people. So they have right. to give a more diverse pick set of pictures than just two guys at a podium. Yeah, no, totally agree. All right, we've solved all those problems. Let's go to the biggest issue hanging out there right now. The Supreme Court of these United States, the SCOTUS. The R's pushed conventional wisdom that this is great. I didn't buy that because other than places like Iowa, the, the pro-choice fight in the suburbs favors Biden and Trump's the guy who's got to get the suburbs back or he's tough. So it gets in the way of his his only path. So I thought that's a net win for Joe. Um, and if Joe can make it about pre-existing conditions, home run. What do we think? What could go wrong? Opinions? Ram, I'll bet you got a couple. Well, I, I, you know, first of all, I think the Republicans are making, I think this is going to be a gift that keeps on giving. I think I would, for, my first answer to you is, I think we're actually thinking of the time frame and the runway way too short. You are going, look, in 2018, pre-existing condition was on the ballot. It was the biggest midterm election since the Watergate era. You're basically going to turn every election going forward into Groundhog Day around health care. Now, I don't think this is good for the country. I, I mean, Robert and I both lost uh, a lot trying to get, this, to get the health care done. That said, when they repeal it or somehow impact pre-existing condition, and we know now the President of the United States has no plan for pre-existing condition, uh, uh, the fact is you're going to ensure every election is about this. It's like a gift that keeps on giving. And as you said, on the short term, I mean, when you look at the demographics of Arizona, the Maricopa County specifically, you look at Florida, you look at where Democrats have been making gains in North Carolina for the gubernatorial race, etc. It is all in the suburbs. And the two issues that they don't want up in the suburbs are pre-existing condition and the history of Roe v. Wade, not just, not choice, not abortion, Roe v. Wade. And I think they're making a, I think this is going to rebound to the Democrats' benefit. And I also think people are uncomfortable with the, uh, the brazenness of power exercised. Yeah, and 200 million bucks. You know, I was going to say, I mean, it's yeah. it, the remarkable amount of money that has come into campaigns. I mean, there were quarters in which, and I'm sure, Rob, I can only imagine when you used to call candidates as the head of the DCCC and literally flog them to get on the phones. And who would have known that like in a weekend you could raise a quarter or two quarters worth of money is just, it is a simply an astounding. Remember, unlike for third parties, the candidates TV costs is so dramatically different than third parties. This is valuable money. I mean, yeah, very valuable. It's a two X multiplier. Yeah. Completely controlled the message yeah. by them too. All you have to do is make sure the computer's plugged in. And the thing, it's like going to Vegas and the thing just keeps, the quarters keep coming out. Right. I've never seen anything. Yeah, like me that. neither. It's it remarkable. is, in fact, because we're patriots, Hackaroos, here at Hacks on Tap, we've joined the fight. You can send your check to the Coalition Against Stupid Hypocrisy or Cash, care <laughs> of Hacks on Tap, at our normal address. Yes, I've never seen it. I mean, what I was talking to Schumer last weekend. He said that uh, in Iowa, in less than 12, 24 hours, can I got uh, over a million dollars online? Oh. Oh, yeah. That would have been flying around the country, six right. different cities, oh, yeah. four, you know, 10 days out of the state, and you, you don't go anywhere. You go to sleep. Yeah. 
hours and hours of call time. Yeah. Oh, and putting up with idiot donors who say you got to do a talking pig ad. My kid wrote one. You know, it's just, uh, I remember Quail having to take a picture with a basset hound once. I do think when you get back to this, I think this is the, the brazen use of power. People know about power. They just don't want it shoved in their face. This is going to be shoved in their face. Pre-existing condition, Roe v. Wade. This is going to be the gift that keeps on giving for Democrats. So let me ask you a Paul question here. So let's just pretend. I mean, Mitch has the votes, but it is, they don't do it. I think they want to do it before the election because Cory yes. Gardner's taken the suicide pill. But let, let just to, to do a little speculation here. Let's say they're forced to do it in the lame duck for whatever calendar reason, the Dems delay somehow, whatever. Unlikely, but not impossible. Do you think if the Republicans and Trump lose, Trump loses clearly, like Florida plus, and they've lost control of the Senate, do you think they can still muscle a vote in the lame duck on their way out of town with the country going absolutely berserk, Biden is president-elect? I'm not sure they will. Uh, Mitch will try. I was going to say, let me introduce you to Mitch McConnell, who is uh, who's oh, I know him. Who is who's like uh, not worried about the next New York Times editorial column that will tisk tisk him for. uh, Yeah, no, he he's there, but that's a hard vote to whip for the Pat Roberts of the world and some of the older guys. It is, and look, I think more importantly, it will probably do deep irreparable harm to the institution of the Supreme Court. Um, uh, in in a world in which you need even in a world in which people understand that it's political, you need some functionality of it. And I think you've even seen Roberts in the past four or five years try to navigate the politics of America through some of the court decisions. And I think it will do irreparable harm. But I, I look, I think Mitch McConnell is diabolical. I think he I think he starts this process knowing he has 50, uh, 50 votes and he will end it whenever it needs to be ended with 50 votes. I do not think he will be deterred in any way, shape, or form by the outcome of the election. David, so the, the question is, uh, that is true about him. I agree. 100% agree with you, Robert. The question is, does uh, Romney Grassley go, well, hold on, boss. J- just hold on here. Yeah. Now, but first of all, let's step back. Our, we're talking, and I think this is true, with the also the assumption, because I believe, if the White House goes Democratic, it's very hard to see how the Senate doesn't go Democratic. I right. just, okay, yep. when you just do the math. Physics, now yeah. you, that's not only presidential, but even if you do the, the Senate, usually falls in line with how the state goes presidential as well. So when you do all that, the question is not what McCon- McConnell will try. The yep. question is, does Romney, Grassley, and some of the other senators say, this is not our play uh, at this point because of our our politics. And I, I, I would have said, you know, 48 hours ago before I had my emotional uh, meltdown about the modern-day Republican Party, I think they uh, give them a green card and say, go for it because this is how we're going to lock in all the gains, all the policy gains we've made uh, because we're going to get locked. Because the next two years, the Democrats already told us what they're doing with, you know, all the kind of procedural changes they're going to make. And I bet you they don't stop McConnell. Yeah, if I had to bet, that would be my bet too. But I think if I could get five to one odds, I might take a bet on the other side. Remember, they got this weird clock too from election day on the 3rd to probably the 2nd of December if Kelly wins in Arizona and seats early. So, and you know, people will be marching. It'll be crazy if Biden and the Dems are heading toward majority. And remember, whoever the nominee is, and that's an interesting question, will be scuffed up by then. You know, because they've been through the grind. Can I say one thing that you mentioned that I don't think we, I mean, we say it, but we don't, 
we know the map, and I can see if Biden wins Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, that the problem is Florida is such because we are dealing with a madman and the madman theory. Florida is not just X amount of electoral votes. It is a. It has now become a symbol, right? Bigger than the electoral votes, because it's it's you know it's the fridge is a blocker here. It blocks everything, the sun out, everything out, and it's no longer just the the totals of electoral votes. Florida becomes it's impossible. Send in the national guard. We're pulling them out now. The yeah, exactly. Florida, you can hear the snap of his political neck the next day. Yes. Which is why it's it's everything. And you could uh, wait the Democrat. You can see still a political battle with the Democrats taking the upper Midwest. Trump wins Florida, and he and the National Guard is standing outside with boxes to fold up all of Ivanka's clothes, etc. But they won't <laughs> they won't walk out. Yeah, and Pennsylvania is going to be murky. There's I was going to say be, Pennsylvania, yeah. Michigan. The Secretary of State in Michigan has already said it's going to probably be Friday or Saturday before they'll have everything counted. Just you know, as people know. Florida opens their ballots about 22 days ahead of the election to start processing them. Pennsylvania, I think there's a there's a, a bill in front of the legislature to try to add some days to that. Michigan is unlikely to get a bill to add some time to that. And they're going to start counting when the polls close. Um, and not just counting. You know, that's like I've got to take my signature and I've got to match it up and I've got to see if the envelopes are right and the signatures on the outside of the envelope and all the different state regulations. No, Florida is the linchpin in this. And, and it's, it, it, it is where you'll have a, look, we, we had a pretty, we, we started to get this indication in 2016. We, you, you start looking at those counties on, on in the, the Western edge of the state along the Gulf, right around Tampa. And you could see like, huh, this doesn't look so good. And that contagion right. spread. And I think you'll yeah. see it. You, you'll know one way or the other. Um, look, I think what's interesting is, the number of states that are seemingly in play, right? We've got, we had polls in the last week. Georgia's tied, right? Um, Iowa's plus a couple for Biden. Maybe Iowa. Uh, Ohio you know, that, yeah. is Iowa. Push. Iowa's hard. I, Iowa could be hard. Look, I think, I still think Georgia's probably better than any of those states, but it's. Ohio. Yeah. That's the secret. The Repubs are terrified. The internal yep. data in Ohio is shit. Uh, they think Biden's going to win as of today. Let me go back to Florida for one second. This is not my data point. I had this in a uh, thing again, so I'm going to give it to the proper source, which is Rove. We were debating. He brought up, a st- I had not heard this statistic. If you take the last six presidential elections and you combine all the votes pr- for president, there's 51. Oh, in Florida, yeah, yeah, yeah I know this 51 one. million votes yeah. have cast, and in all of those together, it's 26,000 votes that separate yeah. the Democrats yep. from Republicans. That is and I think I have it six, not five presidential, but you get no, the seven, base. seven. It's yeah. if you go back to it's seven races, it's, it's, it's it 51 is, million votes total cast. And yeah, it's only right. 26,000 that separate the Democrat. Right. The corollary to that is the last two presidential races with nearly 10 million votes have been settled by under 115 vote margin in one case and under 75,000 vote in the other. Florida this is, bounces on a very thin edge. And the demographics there have gotten more uh, democratic too. And, although registration lately has done well yeah. for Republicans. And this is the moment in the show where we have to tell people, particularly if you're of democratic persuasion, that if you pick up the newspaper or you pick up your phone and you see Florida is tied, okay, A, do not wet your bed. B, <laughs> do not jump out of your third floor window. 
right? C is recognize exactly what Ram just said. This is going to be razor, razor, razor close, razor thin margin, very close race. And that's why they call it a battleground state. And there's nothing more battleground than Florida. On the other hand, let me give you working advice. If you do see Florida that way and you plan on peeing, do it on your partner's side of the bed, not your side of the bed. <laughs> Write that down, Hackaroos. That's some free life advice here. Yes. Uh, I, uh, now, <clears throat> I will I, say, <laughs> when in doubt, ignore the ABC Washington Post poll because they full round of likely voters. If you look at their poll among registered voters, which is a better way in a presidential with high turnout than fooling around or trying to predict who's going to vote and who isn't, Biden's up one or two. But follow the Murphy poll. You're one point behind. Act like it and work harder. Murph, what, is, uh, what data you got out of Ohio? Because everybody says that that's uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. I, I find that what you just said is newsy, if I may ask, for my... Signed, sealed, and delivered for Trump or for uh, Biden? Is this because of the corruption around the speaker? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not working there. The public polls have been, you know, margin of error lead for Biden, but there aren't many public polls there. But I know from Republican hacks I've talked to there, you know, the fun thing about October, if you're Biden, you got a little extra money and, you know, Trump's guys blew it all on Ferraris and everything. You, um, you look at states you might be able to steal, you know, in the great tradition of the, uh, of the Detroit Tigers. So you, everybody's excited about Texas because of the emotional loading. But the nice thing about making a late grab for Ohio is, you know, you really make the play in Dayton, Cincinnati, and Columbus affordable markets. You don't really Cleveland, you kind of got. So there is Republican data bouncing around the state house from multiple pollsters in Columbus, which has grown Ohio political operatives who are tungsten-chewing tough guys sobbing like babies. They think they're going to lose Ohio as of today. They think Biden's up three to four. Uh, it's women. It's all the usual problems. Uh, so if I, were the, if I were the Biden campaign, I'd tell Acorn or somebody to go slide a late $12 million in there and try to steal it. Because it's easier than Texas, a lot cheaper, and it, it's looking as of today. I mean, look, if the, the, the Seltzer poll in Iowa is pretty good, if they've got Iowa tied, you are ahead three or four in Ohio, and you're really ahead seven or eight in Michigan. So, yeah, there's uh, – I mean, because of the demographic. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, there, there's some – Biden can start looking to pick off stuff like that. But let me, let me close with one Florida thing, and then we'll get on to the mailbag. If you're Trump, which Supreme Court move – is better for you? Do you do Barbara LaGoya and play to your Cubans in Miami where you are doing well? It's the only thing in Florida, which is really good for him right now. And they have a Kamala Harris versus nice Cuban girl from Miami fight all over national TV. Or do you make Mitch happy and go with semi-pre-vetted uh, in favorite of Washington Republicans, Amy Coney Barrett from, uh, from Indiana? Just the politics, because I doubt he'll care about anything else. Oh, I think the politics would be Florida. Yeah, that's what I'd do. I mean, I, 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 because again, I disagree. You, I disagree. But as we just well, talked about, of course you do, and I'm glad. Finally. Right, I was going to say, good. We're, we're, we finally got, it only took us finally. like 45 minutes, but we finally took four right. goddamn episodes. No, but I, I mean, from my perspective, I think, you know, again, you, 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 if you can change the math even a little bit in a place like that, then you would do it. Because again, we, we've, we've detailed it in the last 10 minutes. Rom, lay this all out as well too i mean i think you without florida it's over it it isn't happening right because quite frankly if he doesn't win florida he didn't win a lot of these places right so you 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 pick the florida politics all right you go here's the thing you're you already have the massive turnout by um 
in you have a the Hispanic community, specifically the Cuban American community, energized by this president, and uh, because of what Biden and Obama did with uh, Cuba and Fidel Castro, that's just gone. They're energized, ready. Um, uh, I believe that the bigger threat to um, Trump is among the because of Biden is among Catholics. Biden's making a specific appeal. And it's not about a state. It's about all the swing states, not about one swing state. And so I, and I don't believe, and here's where I'll probably get, I, hopefully I won't get your mail back next time. The mistake always made is that, that quote-unquote Hispanics vote the same kind of quote-unquote identity politics. They don't. They do not vote identity politics. And I don't think you're going to get the juice out of that decision. That's why I would go with the Catholic who would actually cut Biden off in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and in uh, Minnesota, not that that's in play, but I think that that is a bigger play for uh, Trump is the Catholic vote, uh, which is a threat to him because Biden's making inroads, and we Democrats have not won the Catholic vote since uh, 2000. Particularly if the Dems handle her wrong with Catholic bashing, which yes. the lefties are quick to do. Diane Feinstein showed you a bad D our bad DNA as it comes to that. That's why if Trump was right, he would he would torment them. A little, and that's because it would run against where Biden wants to go. Okay, what time is it, Robert? It's it's listener mailbag. There we go. Look at that. That's polished Man. podcasting. Now, Seamless. before we start, we have hackeroo agents in the White House. The D trip, we got them everywhere. We even have them deep inside Apple, where I got a little note, which is Murphy, you knucklehead, quit bitching about our algorithm, or we're getcha. Also, stop telling people just to comment. What they should also do on Apple Podcast is play the podcast, and at the bottom there are three dots. Click it. Then it'll say you can email this podcast to your friends. So, listeners, if you want to share the podcast, it's easy to do. It's built into Apple, and we still like those ratings and your comment so question one goes to his honor the mayor murphy was that did what the hell was he saying did the general tell you that when he was also giving you the like putin porn tape is Mur <laughs> as your friend you're in the basement a little too much you gotta get out and see the, you gotta, the oxygen not recirculating yeah. okay you gotta get outside a little sunlight would do you some good <laughs> yeah yeah and no, not, let me tell you I'd something else it. about the metric system people think it's the same but it's not <laughs> all right rom here comes your question it's from Jeremy. It says, I'm frustrated by the Democrats' failure to take on the slowdown in job growth after Trump took office and too often allowing the greatest e economy BS to go unchallenged. At this point, is Trump's per perceived strength on the economy sufficiently baked in that trying to take it on is a waste of time um, that could be better spent on something else? Or does the economy remain fertile ground for Joe Biden? It's uh, fertile if you uh, use it. And I would say this. One of the advantages on the economy is Trump constantly talks about the economy in retrospect through the rearview mirror, trying to get credit. Joe's got to make this about prospective, not what happened yesterday, but what's going to happen tomorrow. And I said this when the debate was going on about Trump saying, I want to reopen, I want to reopen. We shouldn't say, oh, we want to, we too want to reopen, but just slower. We should make it about, we want to rebuild, not reopen, and have a, have a proactive message that's looks to the future on infrastructure, job training, making sure that everybody, we don't have a person to waste, and here's what we're going to do to make sure that we come out of this stronger, better. And our problem is our entire debate was around Trump's terms, which is we too want to reopen. We just want to do it safely and smarter, better. You know, it was like, oh, my God, please. So he wants to reopen. We want to rebuild. 
And the problem is we always get into these, we let too much of the economists talk about the economy and not enough about kitchen table economics. Excellent question from Jeremy, who coincidentally has been voting in Chicago for the last 117 years. <laughs> now, a question for you, Gibzo. You ready for this? From Jason. God, now all I think about is the bloody axe, but let's see what we got here. <laughs> Given the president's clear attack on mail-in ballots and him all but saying he's going to do everything he possibly can to get them thrown out, shouldn't the Democrats' message be, quote, if you can vote in person early or on November 3rd, you should. Wouldn't that potentially rob Trump of the red mirage he's going to take advantage of? You know, I think this is a great question. And I think you've seen in, in some of the recent polling, both in states and nationally, the number of Democrats that say they're going to vote by, by mail-in is beginning to drop. I think actually the messaging around the Postal Service has had an impact. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I you know, I got um, from the state of Illinois, I got from the city of Chicago, the, you know, you, you, here's your letter to request um, a mail-in ballot. And I, I, I'm going to go vote in person. I'm going to go when early voting starts. I'm going to go stand in line. I'm going to have my mask on. Uh, I'm going to take my hand sanitizer. And I think if people can do that, uh, I would do that. I think there's a lot of challenge that's going to happen with some of these ballots. I think there's a lot of rules and regulations around mail-in votes. Um, and you're seeing this in different states. And I think the, the, the likelihood that some of these ballots get thrown out based on what the law is, is much, much higher than if you can go in person. If you don't feel safe, do a mail-in. If you feel like you can do this and go in person, Go vote early, go do it yourself, and go do it on a machine. Look, I think this is going to be such a massive turnout everywhere. People are going to figure out how to vote, whether it's in person, on the ballot, early voting. It's going to be a massive, massive turnout. That's what's happening. Yeah, don't do what you people often do if you're decided, which is hold your absentee to watch the show. If you're decided, vote earlier and just easier on the system. All right, Mike, here's a question from Ethan. Is it smart for Kamala Harris to go after Trump's nominee in the same way she took on Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Barr? Could it be more harm than good having her look like a prosecutor rather than the image the Biden camp has created of her looking like a vice president? Well, it's tricky, and she has to be adroit. I, I'm haunted by the idea that we will hear the famous Kamala Harris angry woman mad at a waiter tone. I don't believe the end dive has been done right. She's got to avoid that because that's a thing she does in tone that is bad. So I, I would I would take prosecutor Kamala in a slow and steady way and uh, and and don't be a solo show. Uh, use Klobuchar and other people who are very good at this. Uh, don't make it the full Kamala show, even though she's on the ticket, because, uh, you know, I just don't think she's as great at it as the uh, Biden press office does. Send your angry tweets and emails on that to Rahm Emanuel or Robert Gibbs. <laughs> All right, I think we're wrapping up here. Rom, thank you so much for dropping by and giving our hackaroos your insights. Always great to have you here. Always want, you know, be a hack with a propeller head on. That's all I care about. I, I just want to say, Merv, first of all, I want to thank you for only agreeing with me once. I know. I'm working on that. Because a lot of people have said things to me out and about. What's with you and Murph agreeing with each other? I said, I don't agree with Murph. Murph agrees with me. Let's be really <laughs> This is going to work out poorly for both of you if you keep agreeing. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's very poor. Yeah, no, it's a double career destroyer, but I'm already three quarters of the way there hanging out with you guys. All right, this was fun. Gibbsy, thank you. Thank you, and I hope... Uh, 
the next time you're at that swanky Hollywood restaurant you just mentioned, uh, Murphy, they do your end dive right. I get very, very angry, just like the Veep. Here's the one compliment, in the, although I think the Trump campaign has dropped it. I thought they did a pretty good job of replacing Kamala Harris on the ticket with Bernie Sanders and AOC. And then they haven't really stayed. They did it coming out of the convention, at the convention, and then they've dropped it. Yeah, and it was and they good. Yeah, and, they, and I thought it was the one time I thought they've shown, they were showing, you know, basically the truth is Trump, won, you know, Nixon got McGovern, not Muskie, for a whole host of, of nefarious reasons. They wanted Bernie Sanders. They got Joe Biden. So now they're trying to still run against Bernie Sanders. And that's why they originally, and they haven't done it, is replaced Kamala on the ticket with Bernie Sanders and AOC. And then they stopped it. And I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. But with, you know, Trump world, you never know if they're literally trying to, like, you know, pull the meatloaf out of their hair that he threw at them rather than work on a campaign <laughs> strategy. Uh, here's the last plug. We got the big debate coming next week. You're going to have a triple trifecta hacks on tap with the one and only Robert Gibbs, me and David Axelrod. We're going to record it after the debate in the middle of the night. Rom, if you want to email us any reviews, we'll read them and we'll be up uh, Wednesday morning for the Hackaroos. Ready? I can tell you right now. Biden won. <laughs> <laughs> In the bag, can't lose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, East German judge and great patriot, Rahm Emanuel. Thank you, guys. See you, guys. Thanks, Murphy. 